Welcome to The Thought Card, a podcast about travel and money, where planning, saving, and creativity leads to affording travel, building wealth, and paying off debt. We are the Financially Savvy Travelers. Welcome back to another episode of The Thought Card. Today on the show, we have a very special guest. Her name is Danielle Grace, and she is the host of Young, Gifted, and Abroad a podcast that shares the perspectives on studying abroad from past and present students of color. Okay, so at MSU, I studied um, comparative cultures and politics. I think at the time I was looking into doing international work, like working for NGOs or something. So that's what I went with. And then I also double majored in French and then uh, also minored in Japanese. I had, like a lot of people, had (laughs) become a... uh, exposed to anime in high school. And so that was kind of my gateway into wanting to learn the language. And I wanted to continue with that as well. So how is your French and Japanese now? Uh, I think they're decent. I feel like <laughs> when you're not a native speaker, then then like the learning process never really ends. You know, I always say I'm still learning, but I I think they're fairly decent. I think my French is definitely a lot better just because, you know, it's not that different of a language and I've had more time with it. Yeah, I'd say I'm fairly decent in both. So when you're speaking Japanese or when you meet someone who speaks Japanese, like, are they surprised? Are they shocked? Are they, like, very happy that you speak Japanese? Yeah, I guess it depends where you are. So uh, uh, Japanese is one of those languages where, like, Japanese people don't really expect anyone who's not Japanese to be able to communicate in their language. So there is, like, an element of surprise there. But it's also... Uh, sometimes it's, it can be confusion. Like, how did you end up, like, how do you know how to speak this language? But, um, like recently I went to this Japanese restaurant, um, in, in Michigan and, you know, the staff were all Japanese. And so when the lady came to take our order, I was like, in Japanese, I said, excuse me, is it okay if I order in Japanese and all that stuff? And she was like, oh, okay, sure. And then, you know, she's asking me all these questions, like, you know, have you been to Japan? Where have you been? How long have you been studying? You know? So it's usually like, like, like a like a second of shock and then uh like immense curiosity. No, I love that. I love that. Even for me, like I speak Creole, um Haitian Creole fluently. Oh, and cool. uh when was it? I think a couple of weeks ago I was on a on a flight and I heard this older Haitian couple speaking. Like I guess like the husband was teasing the wife and then I started teasing the wife too and they were shocked. They were like, Whoa, you speak Haitian Creole too? I was like, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's totally, totally, totally fun. So for someone who doesn't know what studying abroad is, can you explain to us what is studying abroad? Sure. Um, so for the purpose of the podcast, I kind of use like a, a broad definition of study abroad. So for me, it's anything outside of, you know, traveling for vacation or for leisure, any activity or, um, you know, program that someone participates in in another country while they're a student. For me, I kind of look at ranges uh, like between, from high school through grad school is usually what I look at. You know, it can include more traditional study abroad programs uh, that are typically offered with universities, or it could be, you know, a gap year or volunteering or an internship or even just going to an academic conference. Like those are all things that I feel like fit under the umbrella of study abroad. So pretty much it's an activity, some type of learning, pretty much some type of learning that you're learning outside of your home country. 
Yes. Okay, very, very cool. Now, Yasmin from over in our Facebook community called Financially Savvy Travelers has a couple of questions to ask, but we'll start with this one. So Yasmin wants to know, where do you find study abroad programs? If you are sure of where you want to go, for instance, or what you want to study, but maybe your your university doesn't offer that, you can always, you know, look online and see what other universities are offering. That's a way. If you are looking for something that's more like uh, volunteering or anything like that, um, or maybe you want to do a year away, or if you want to get a whole degree in another country, then that would also guide you in your in your search. So definitely looking online, going for your own university, also asking people that you know around you who might know, like if you know someone who's well-traveled, if you know anyone who works in a university, um, whether they be a professor, language pro- language professors especially really know what's out there. Or, you know, someone who's in your field who um, might have uh, some sort of advice or guidance. I love that. So either looking online or reaching out to your network and going to your school and seeing what offers um, are available. And for me, I know that when I went to college, there were definitely lots of study abroad options. However, we can talk about that a little later. Money was a huge deterrent. Um, so we'll talk a lot about that next. So the other question that Yasmin from our Facebook community had was, is there a recommended age to study abroad? Is it ever like you're too old or too young? What are your thoughts on that? I would say no. I think if you're thinking of like traditional, like definition of study abroad, obviously that's like, you know, 18 to 25, depending on when you're in school. It might also more likely be like maybe 19 or 20 because, um, depending on the program, they might require a, a minimum GPA. And if you're a freshman, you haven't uh, accumulated a GPA yet. So you'd have to, to wait before you can do that. But if it's something like service, or, um, you know, if you're a, a professional in your field and you're going to an academic conference or if you're getting a degree in another country, like that can happen at, at any age. So it really depends on um, what you're looking for. The way I see it, it's not confined to just those like four to five or maybe even six years that you're in college or, or grad school. It can really be done at any age, depending on what your goals are and what you're trying to achieve. I love that because I totally feel like I missed a study, quote unquote, study abroad in college boats. So it's nice that you, there are different ways to think of it. So how long are study abroad programs, like the typical ones? How long are they typically? Typically, they are anywhere from like a week to two weeks all the way up to a year. Um, usually year long programs tend to be like language study, especially, you know, you have like a semester option, a summer option or like a full academic year option. Yeah, up to a year, I feel like is the typical, like the longest for a typical program. Uh, but again, if you're getting like an entire degree or something like that, obviously it can be years um, that the <laughs> that your program can last. So. Right, right. So when you studied abroad, where did you go and what did you do when you were abroad? So I studied abroad first in Japan. So like, you know, I mentioned the languages thing. Um, for me, immersion was like the the natural next step. So I went to Japan for a summer studying Japanese language and culture, and that was in the summer of 2013. And then I, the following summer in 2014, I was in Paris. Um, so that was kind of interesting because the first few weeks, maybe the first maybe two weeks was uh, language classes, but then the rest of it was uh, an internship. 
What are the benefits of studying abroad? If someone who is interested in studying abroad and wanted to know what are their pros, what would you say are some of the pros? There are so many. Uh, I think first off the top of my head is just like that sense of achievement. You know, for me, I'd wanted to go to France and Japan for a really long time. And that was like achieving a dream. I didn't think about it that way at the time. But that's definitely, you know, gives you a boost when you're able to to achieve something that's been on your mind. Also, just like exposure to other parts of the world, especially if you haven't really gotten the chance to travel yet. That's a really big thing. Those are great. Those are all wonderful reasons to want to study abroad. Having been that you studied abroad two different times in two different countries, what do you think are some of the challenges that students face when they're studying abroad? The the first one that comes to mind, the earliest one I remember is being in Japan and just getting stared at a lot. You know, I was not in a, a major city when I went, and that made me feel uh, really self-conscious, I think, for the first week or two. And then it was just something I had to kind of get over. So if you're going to a country where there aren't a lot of black people um, or, you know, people who look like you, whoever you may be getting stared at, uh, I don't know, maybe you might like the attention. I don't know. But for me, it was like it was very off putting. So that was really difficult. Homesickness, obviously, um, if you haven't traveled that much or even if you have, you know, if you have connections to people back home and you're away from them for a significant amount of time, that can that can uh, weigh on you. Um, uh, I guess maybe, uh, I don't want it to sound like depressing, but maybe loneliness, depending if on if you get along with the people around you in your program, or if you're able to make friends with the people who, you know, are from there locally. Um, it might be a little kind of isolating at first, if you don't really know anyone. Um, hopefully over time, you're able to connect with people who make that time a lot less lonely. Obviously, the, um, you know, like you mentioned, the money aspect is part of that as well. A, a couple of times, my mom had to remind me, like, you are not on vacation. So there were times where I felt like I was missing out because I couldn't just like gallivant around to different places or join in with my my friends or my, um, my fellow students when they were traveling or participating in certain activities because I had to study or because I had to finish this. And so I felt like sometimes I felt like, oh, I came all the way over here. I can't enjoy it. And obviously I did find ways to enjoy my time. You know, that's a thing also trying having to be faced with like the limits of your program. Like even if you are, you know, there and you want to enjoy things and experience things, you still have responsibilities because you're there for a certain purpose. So um, that can be a thing that can be a little uh, of a letdown that you have to find the balance in is um, maybe not being as free as you might want to be. I actually nodded like I can totally see that as you, it's not a vacation. This is, you know, your job is to be a student and you have, you know, you have homework assignments, you have projects. So I can definitely see that. And wise words from mom. Shout out to mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to my mom. <laughs> so now let's switch gears a little bit. I'm sure your parents had some concerns. How did you navigate that? And what were some of the concerns that your family had for you? I think my family and my mom especially, they knew I was always kind of like outward looking. Like I had always wanted to travel internationally, even especially during high school. It was something I talked about a lot. So by the time I was in college and I actually had the opportunity to do it, it was kind of like, oh, okay, it's finally time. I think where the concern came in was just like, you know, they don't have 
immediate access to you. So if there's an issue, they can't just rush over and help you, you know? Um, so it's like, if something happens, what is my child going to do? That type of thing. Being able to stay in contact, my mom and I are really close. So that wasn't really an issue, but you know, um, being able to main, uh, maintain contact, uh, can be really important depending on, you know, your family and, and, um, you know, your relations with them. Um, yeah, it was mostly just in terms of like safety and, um, being able to be, stay in contact, especially if there were any issues or anything like that. Now for the parents who might, you know, be feeling apprehensive, they're on the fence. What do you think that they can do to encourage their children to, one, think about studying abroad, or if they do want to study abroad, how can they encourage them and push them into that direction? What are your thoughts on that? I think definitely pay attention to uh, what your child seems to be interested in. Um, even if they haven't expressed a particular interest in going to a certain country or even studying a certain thing yet, um, you know, if you find a program that you feel like your 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 child can benefit from, then definitely, you know, let them know about that and, see, you know, encourage them. I think this would be good for you. Why don't you, you know, look into it? And I think, I think just the putting it in their, in their mind, putting the idea in their mind that this is an option, like this is something that I would like you to do, or, oh, this is something I think that you would benefit from. And if it's something you want to do, I can help you do that. If you, you know, have the means to assist with that, or I'll help you in any way I can. But just letting you know, if this is something you want to do, you have my full support. I think just having that idea that, oh, my parents approve or my parents support me in doing this, that can also push them a little further into taking that option seriously. Yeah, I think that's really great, great, great advice. And that segues into my next thought is because for me, when I was in college, I had always wanted to visit Paris. Like it was the number one thing in my mind all the time. And I found study abroad programs that were either for a semester or summer, but the biggest problem for me was the funds. My mom encouraged me. She encouraged me so much. She was like, I'll do anything that you need me to help you. But at the time, we were in like a recession. This was a little bit after 2008. So we were, you know, dealing with recessions and the money just wasn't there. And the study abroad programs, I believe, were not covered as part of my financial aid package. In terms of if money is an issue, how can people afford to study abroad? What are some of the options and ways that you can fund study abroad programs? Okay, so uh, scholarships really helped me a lot. If I may, there were two that I wrote down that I wanted to mention, if that's okay. Sure, sure. Um, one of them is specific to MSU. So if you end up for some, um, for any reason going to Michigan State University, um, there's like the Malbray Scholars Program, um, which I think you get invited to apply for, uh, like your senior year in high school. And so, um, that one is, I think it's like 7,500 that they want you to split. So they like want you to go abroad more than once if you get into this scholarship program. So like you ideally would split that money in half and put it toward um put it toward like a semester long uh study or research whatever you're doing. So that's one that really helped me. Another one that I got for Japan and this is something you can get no matter what school you go to is um the foreign 
let me get it, Foreign Language and Area Studies Program, or FLAS program. And so that's another fellowship that's also, I think, 7500 So it's like 5000 for tuition and then 2500 for like a stipend. Um, and that one you apply through your school. Um, and that's for um, people who are studying languages. I'm not really sure how it goes in terms of whether you more, are more likely to be nominated if you're studying a less common language like Japanese or not. It might not even matter what uh, language you're studying. But if you are going the, the language route, that can also be really helpful. So those are just two that I wanted to mention because those are really big help. And then also scholarships within my department. Um, and then I was like an honors student. So in the honors program, they had their own scholarships too. So looking around for scholarships, especially within like the major, or the department that you're in can really be helpful. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I did have like family help. You know, my my grandfather had like set aside some money for for, you know, college when I was born. Um, so that helped um, GoFundMe or other fundraising websites is um, those are also a possibility. Um, and then also asking around people, you know, especially, you know, if you're uh, if you have a close relationship to any professors, they might, you know, know certain uh, resources that you haven't even heard about and they can put you in touch with that. Um, and obviously, obviously asking people around if they'd be willing to, to donate. I know that's a hard thing to do to ask people for help or to ask people for money, but if you feel comfortable enough, you know, that that's something also that you can consider. And those are really important because honestly, I just stopped at mom we can't afford it. And I just stopped there. Yeah. <laughs> so that I, I I hope the biggest takeaway that listeners get from this is that there are lots of avenues in terms of what study abroad is and how you can fund your study abroad. You gave tons of great examples. And if you have an interest, speak up. You know, I wish that I actually spoke to my guidance counselor about it. I just asked my I just talked to my mom and said, Mom, like this is out of pocket. My financial is not going to cover it. And I just stopped there. And regardless of my mom, my mom was encouraging me. She was like, yeah, come on, we'll still make it happen. You know, but I felt guilty. I felt like it was a luxury. So can you let's unpack that a little bit. Like why? Why do a lot of people feel like studying abroad is a luxury and how can we change that in terms of like it could be part of your curriculum. It could be like part of your growth in terms of your education. Do you ever like talk to people who feel guilty about wanting to study abroad by any chance? I think what I hear most is about like priorities, you know, like um, this is something I'm I might be interested in, but you know, I'm really just trying to graduate or, you know, like you said, it's, it's not cheap. So it's like all that money I could be putting toward tuition or I could be putting toward whatever other responsibilities I have, or, um, I don't have time. It's not the right time. Yeah. So priorities, especially like time and money wise is the biggest thing that I hear in terms of like the luxury of it. But as far as guilt goes, um, I, I, I can understand where that comes from because um, you might feel like um, you could, that money could be put toward better things. Or if you need to rely on other people's help, you might, uh, you know, feel guilty for having to, to, to do that because maybe you feel like you're placing a burden on other people to do this thing that doesn't seem like um, a necessity. But um, 
I guess I would say that if this is something you really want to do and, um, you know, I think if the people around you, if you have people around you who are loving and supportive and they, they understand you're not trying to, it's not like you're trying, you're trying to create more difficulty for people around you. You're just trying to enhance your educational experience. I think in, when you're in college, especially, um, that's a time where you can explore and try new things and studying abroad could be a part of that. So, um, you know, that's if that's an, an earnest desire that you have and you're willing to do whatever you can to make it work and you maybe you just need a little help, I don't feel like you should feel guilty. I feel like that's, I mean, who doesn't want to, especially when you're that age, who doesn't want to explore and and be exposed to something different or somewhere different if you haven't gotten a, gotten the chance to travel. So I, I can see where that comes from, but uh, I feel like you, you deserve to... You deserve to go and do whatever it is or wherever it is you want to go and do. And if there's any way that can become possible, then, you know, you deserve to be able to make that happen. So that's what I would say. Yeah, I love that. And definitely the one thing I think that even though I I had those thoughts, you know, I felt like how can I, you know, burden my mom at this point? What I did say to myself was like, okay, even though I'm not going to study abroad in college, I am going to travel and look at, yeah. look, at look at me now, you know? So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I always say, you know, sometimes in life, it might not be the right time and it, things might not align. But if you are earnest, like you said, if you're earnest and you have a passion, you can do it on your own terms. And for me, as a leisure traveler, I can do what I want. You know, there's no there's no constraint in terms of when I am actually at a destination. So I don't have the study the studying curriculum. But these are definitely things to consider. Like if you are a college student or let's say you're a parent and you have a child that is going to college or maybe you want to do a study abroad program yourself, these are all important things to consider. You know, there's the planning for it, the funding it, and when you actually get to the destination, how are you going to navigate and maneuver? So these are all wonderful, wonderful things. Now, before I let you go, I had a couple more questions for you. What are some of the expenses that you spent money on when you were actually in Japan and in France? Transportation, food, and uh, books, because um, I'm like I'm a big reader. Those are things that I don't really worry too much about spending on because transportation obviously you need to get to where you need to go. Um, food is like, duh. I'm in <laughs> Japan. I'm in France. I'm in whatever country. I wanna, I wanna taste all all that there is to try here. So, and then books is just, you know, if, if I happen to find a book that was interesting, I would buy. So that was, those are the main things. I'm not really a shopper. So I wasn't like buying clothes or a ton of souvenirs. I don't know. I, I guess maybe I'm just like really cheap. So I'm not really thinking about like, well, let me get this, let me get that. So it was kind of easy to save because the, the things that I was interested in spending money on weren't that expensive. Uh, so those were, yeah, those are really the main expenses, especially like food and, and transportation, because those are necessary. Yeah, usually like book fees and all that stuff is included in the tuition fee when you, you know, when you sign up. So that's not really something you have to deal with when you're there, because uh, you've already planned ahead for that. Excellent, excellent. So the final question is, 
How has studying abroad impacted your life? It sounds like you recommend it, but tell us more. Tell us more. Oh, geez. Um, <laughs> um, I think uh, I, I feel like I've mentioned this before, but just like the the realization that you did this thing and that it's possible and that you can continue to go see more places like, OK, I I've gone to another country. I made it work. I actually enjoyed myself. Now I can keep going and do it again. And obviously, on like you said, on your own terms, traveling, not within a uh, study abroad context. But, you know, it's like um, it's like lighting the fire to, to go to more places. For instance, um, like this year, I went to South Korea uh, during the Olympics. Actually, I didn't go for the Olympics. <laughs> I was really just visiting a friend and exploring exploring South Korea because I'd never been to South Korea before but um you know I guess that continuing to to kindle that desire to see more like I I've gone to the places I really wanted to go and that kind of just opened the world up to me in terms of like at this point I feel like I could want to go anywhere um so that's one thing I think also um Obviously, being able to do this podcast, I don't think I would, I might not have have, have had a, uh, as great an interest in, in studying abroad if I hadn't done it myself. And that obviously led to me doing Young, Gifted, and Abroad, the, the podcast that I do now. And that's been, um, that's been very uh, beneficial and informative to me in a lot of ways. Yeah, I'm really thankful for that. Also, you know, having met so many people along the way that I'm still in touch with, it feels nice to to think that you have friends in all these different places. Yeah, I guess that's that's how it has impacted me. Just continuing to want to be more, uh, be more curious, continue to be open, and try new things. And what is the best way for people to connect with you? I'm sure your adventures are just beginning. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, so you can always check out Young Gifted and Abroad the podcast. Young Gifted and Abroad on Instagram and Facebook. Facebook is d.n.grace. Some of my writing I post on there too. So yeah, either any one of those ways 